This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And that woman could have been healed from a distance, but she said, I've got to touch. I've got to touch his clothes. And so she got close, reached out her hand, he touched. He could have just stood out there like he did with Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. He could have done that with Jairus' daughter. He could have, but no. He reaches out his hand. He takes the hand of the 12-year-old girl, and he raises her from the dead. Why? Why in all of these cases was it so important for the Lord to not remain socially distant, but to get close, to get close, so close to these people that he touches them. It's so important. Why? For two reasons. First, it was important for the Lord. Second, it was important for the person who was being healed. Why was it important for the Lord? Because the way the Lord healed them and the way the Lord heals us from the diseases of our soul is described in Isaiah 53, 4, Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he hath carried our sorrows, borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. That means that when the Lord heals, he takes on himself our griefs and our sorrows. And that's the emphasis there. He, he, surely he hath borne, as in he himself, or his very self, Mark 8, 17, Mark 8, 17 that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, what we just quoted, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. This is what Peter emphasizes in 1 Peter 2.24. 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. So that's how the Lord, the Lamb of God, taketh away the sin of the world. 
from John 1.29, John 1.29, Jesus, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. How? How does the Lamb of God taketh away the sin of the world? By bearing the sins on himself. That's what he does. That's why it was so important for the Lord to touch those that he was healing, because it shows he was healing them by taking on the grief and the sorrow of the blindness, the grief and the sorrow of the leprosy, the grief and the sorrow of the flow of blood, the grief and the sorrow of death. And so it was, the deteriorating, he touches the deteriorating skin of the leper. He touches, the, the, the bleeding woman touches his clothes. The, 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 he touches the dead body of the 12-year-old girl. He touches the blindness of the eyes. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, Hebrews says. And his touch was important because it sent that message that he was taking sins on him. It was so important also for those who were, who were healed that they should realize that this is not just a short encounter with the Lord. This is not a touch and go affair. This is not a, this is not a touch and walk away experience. It was the beginning of a new life, of a life of a long, close relationship with the Lord. You know, there's kind of a misconception of uh, knocking on a door and one, two, three, repeat after me, now you're saved, you're going your merry way, I go on my way, you go on your way. That's kind of a misconception is that it just a short come to Jesus and then go on as before. Because that's not what salvation is. Salvation is Galatians 2.20, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's like salvation. It's just like the hymn says. Jesus, my Lord, will love me forever. From him, no power of evil can sever. He gave his life to ransom my soul. Now I belong to him. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for all eternity. So he touches the eyes of the blind people, blind men there. And then as he's touching their blind eyes, he says in verse 29, then touch their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. He didn't say eyes be open. He didn't say see. But he put the emphasis back on them. And what they believed, it was like he was saying, look, the measurement of your healing is going to be determined by how much you believe. Almost as if to say, if you believe that I can heal one eye, then I'll heal one eye and not both eyes. You call it, and that's what you'll get. And the Lord made their healing dependent on what they believed. If they didn't believe he was able to heal the eyes, then the eyes wouldn't be healed. And what do you think those men were thinking? What do you think they were thinking when they asked him, when he got asked, do you believe I'm able to do this? And then he says, uh, Oh, yeah, you know, the power is going to be according to your belief in my power and my willingness to heal. They must have thought the Lord has made me play a pretty critical role in this healing. It's not enough for me just to get myself to the Lord to be healing. I need also to believe that the Lord is able, that the Lord is willing to heal me for this healing to take place. And then the Lord says, according to your faith, be it unto you. It's like a reward. It's really a reward. He's saying, you got that? You get this. 
And this is one of the reasons why Calvinism is so wrong. Because Calvinism starts off by teaching the total depravity of man. And by total depravity, they mean man has no ability to even believe, to even have faith, unless it's given to him by God. They misapply that verse. And even Calvin, the verse that says, your faith is a gift of God, and by grace are you saved, not of yourselves. Uh, it's a gift of God. I don't know. Anyway, they, 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 even Calvin said it doesn't refer to what they thought. But anyway, we can see that, 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 that here we see the Lord rewarding, rewarding these two men for what they believed. If their belief, if their faith and their belief has come from God and not from them, then why would God be reward? That God should reward himself. That's who the reward should go to. If their faith has come from God, then God should reward himself. But he doesn't. He rewards them. And if those, those two men were totally depraved to the point where they could not believe on their own, that the Lord was able to heal them, then it makes no sense for the Lord to reward them with the words, according to your faith, be it unto you. The truth is that those men on their own believed in the power of the Lord Jesus and the willingness to heal, and that's why they were rewarded for their faith. Be it unto you according to your faith. It paints for us some pretty, pretty clear pictures of what faith is. Beautiful pictures. According to your faith, be it unto you. It's a picture of uh, faith is like a link between our own emptiness and God's fullness. It's a picture of a bridge. When he says, be it unto you according to your faith, it's a picture of a bridge that's bridging between uh, all that God has with all that we don't have. Be it unto you according to your faith is like a, like, it reminds us of the woman at the well and what she said to the Lord Jesus. They're both at the well there and he says, give me to drink. And the woman says in John 4.11, John 4.11, the woman saith unto him, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Duh, right? And when she said the well is deep, that was like saying there's a dilemma here. The well is deep. It's too deep to reach. You can't just reach down there with your hand and get the water. And it kind of bring, draws a picture for us of a person who's dying of thirst and lack of water. He's standing over a deep well. He hears the water below. He wants it. He needs it. Lots of water. But the well is deep. And he'll die unless he gets the water out. And he can't get the water out unless he has something to draw with, as she said. What's he need? He needs a bucket. The bucket is going to draw the water out of the well to him. That's a picture of faith. Faith is the empty bucket that's going to go down into the well and dip out from God's abundant supply of water. And the Lord says in Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith, be it unto you. In our picture of the well and the bucket, the Lord is referring to the size of the bucket, the size of the bucket. The well's got plenty of water, but how much water is drawn up depends on the size of the bucket that you let down into that well. Just picture a tiny bucket. Look at just picture a very, very tiny bucket. Can you picture a tiny bucket? <laughs> I brought some so you can pass them around. <laughs> Here's a tiny bucket. Here's a tiny bucket. Okay, you can pass it around. It's COVID safe. There's a tiny bucket. Where's my tiny bucket? Here's the tiny bucket. Okay. There you go. 
So pass it around and think about it. A tiny bucket. You put a little tiny bucket down there, that's all you're going to get up. It's not much water to keep you alive, okay? But on contrast, and I didn't bring a big bucket to pass around. <laughs> you have to imagine that. But by contrast, if a big bucket is let down, a large amount of water will be drawn out. Be it unto you according to your faith. Faith is the empty bucket, and it will be filled either with a lot or a little, depending on the size of the bucket. It's like a smart, you know what a smart kid is? A smart kid is one who puts out, for Christmas, puts out a big stocking by the, <laughs> by the fireplace, you know, put out a little stocking. Oh, no. Anyway, so now the Lord has opened their eyes, and he gives them now a commandment. He says in verse 30, in verse 30, and their eyes were open, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, see that no man know it. Now, we would have thought, we would have just thought that maybe the Lord would have told those healed men, go tell it on the mountains, far and wide, go tell everybody, but he didn't. He told them, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone what's happened. This doesn't make any sense to us. You say, why? Why did the Lord tell those men not to tell anyone? Well, again, we can think of several reasons. One reason might be that, you know, this healing of the physically blind man is kind of symbolic of the healing of a spiritually blind people, which, which is us. That's us. We're spiritually blind. We shouldn't be looking at these men and saying, oh, poor fellow, I'm not blind. No, no, no. Because we are described in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. God, I think you quoted this this morning in the breaking of bread. When it says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So in Genesis, just as God saw the darkness on the face of his newly created earth and commanded light to drive out the darkness in Genesis 1-3, so God saw the darkness of our hearts and commanded the light to drive the darkness out. And what is what is that light? What is that light that drives the darkness out of our hearts? Jacob saw that light when he talked about in Genesis 32:30, Genesis 32:30, Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. The light is the face of Jesus Christ which when seen preserves life or gives eternal life. This light into our darkness happens to each one of us personally. It happens to each one of us individually. Just like God told Israel in Isaiah 27, 12, Isaiah 27, 12, it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord will beat off from the channel of the river into the stream of Egypt and ye shall be gathered one by one, O ye children of Israel. God gathers people one by one, not in masses. The truth is that the Lord is not interested in mass movements. He's not interested in billboards and, and excitements that said Jesus is the Messiah. The Lord is looking for those individuals who because of their own desperate condition, as we saw in the beginning, would flee to the Lord Jesus individually. And the excitement generated from these two blind men going out and telling everybody what happened was just too much, too much for the Lord. 
because he wanted to see individuals. He wanted to see individuals who would see those blind men say, hey, weren't they blind? Hmm, looks like they were with Jesus. Hmm, maybe he can heal my soul diseases. That's what he's looking for. That's what he's searching for. But there's, again, there's another reason, and that was because of what we already mentioned with regard to why he had them privately in there so that there would not be this great excitement like with the 5,000 men. Now, but it was like those blind men, they didn't hear. It was like they didn't hear what the Lord told them. He should have said, don't tell anyone. Maybe they would have. Anyway, maybe he should have said, tell everyone. Maybe they wouldn't. I don't know. But anyway, it was like they didn't hear, and they went off to told everyone. And so if we just kind of excuse them for doing that and look at them and say, well, you know what? They look like evangelists. They really do. Because we were spiritually blind. They were physically blind. We were spiritually blind. They followed the Lord. We followed the Lord. He opened their spiritual eyes. He opens our spiritual eyes. They spread abroad his fame so that fame so that others can believe. We spread abroad his fame so others can believe. Because Romans 10, 17 says, faith, Romans 10, 17 says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. Now, we have the next person here. This is a dumb person. He's possessed with the devil. It's not obvious on the surface. He's possessed with the devil. He doesn't speak. Who knew that the source of his dumbness, inability to speak, was a demon? Nobody knew that, except the Lord and the demon. But he's so incapacitated. He's so incapacitated that his friends have to bring him. The friends have to bring this man to the Lord. He doesn't, maybe he doesn't want to come, I don't know, but he's brought there. When we look at that, we say, that's a picture of prayer. When we pray for those who are so incapacitated that they don't even want to come to the Lord, maybe they're not saved, maybe they're depressed to a point where they've given up on prayer, and we pray for them, that's us bringing these men there, bringing those men there. And then the man, he heals him, and then the man speaks. The man speaks. Oh, the man speaks. You know, the first thing that God used to describe Paul or Saul in Acts 9 11, Acts 9 11, the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. He prayeth. He's praying. And these are the two miracles that the dumb man experienced, which shows us what the Lord does for a person when he's saved. He prays and he speaks. The world in its lost state without the Lord Jesus does not pray and does not speak to others about the Lord Jesus, does not speak the words of life. When a person is delivered and healed, he prays and he speaks, just like this dumb person here. Now, uh, couldn't speak, I mean to say. Now, then the people, they say in verse 33, oh, it was never so seen in Israel. Now, actually, the Greek here is not the word it. It's the word he. So literally, in the Greek here, it's reading, he was never so seen in Israel. And that has a far deeper significance because what they're saying here, what this is saying here, what the people are saying there is that he was just Jesus of Nazareth. He was just Jesus, the son of the carpenter. That's all he was. But now he was never seen 
as the Messiah. He was never seen as God, never so seen in Israel. If you work among the Jewish people, you work in Jewish missions, that is what you think of. You think of, he was never so seen in Israel. And the work of Jewish missions is to make him so seen in Israel as the Messiah, as God, the brightest light. But now comes the opposition. Verse 34, too much for the Pharisees. Oh, too much. But the Pharisees said, he casts out devil. He casts out devil through the prince of devils. He counts out the demon. Hmm. Imagine that. Now, the Pharisees have been have been incubating and cooking for quite a while. And it's been a slow progress as they have eyed him. But their blasphemy has developed slowly. First we saw in the beginning of this chapter in Matthew 9-2, we saw that it was first in their thoughts, not verbal, just in their thoughts. Behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed, and Jesus, seeing their faith, said of the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sons be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said, with, said within themselves, this man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, wherefore you think evil? First in the thoughts, then a little bit further in the words, in the words, verse 11, verse 11, and when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, speaking now, not to him, but to others behind his back. Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? And now it's come out in this open confrontation. Verse 34, Pharisees said, he casteth out devils through the prince of the devils. Now again, the Greek, when it says the word en, or the Greek word is en, and what it's used there, it's behind the word through, through the prince of the devils. And that word N in Greek is also used in, in uh, Matthew 11, 11, Matthew 11, 11, where it says, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born, so let me just say that again, among them, that's the word N, among, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. So N means among. It means to be a part of. It means to be in the group of. So when they said, it casteth out devil, N, they're saying that he has an intimate link with the devil, with the, the devils. He is among them, the devils, and he has an intimate link with them. No wonder this sin is the unforgivable sin to say something like that. He's linked in a very close, intimate way with the top devil himself, with Satan himself. So we see here that again, this obstacle has come up. This is the intersection here of heaven and hell. There is the Lord Jesus, and here are the pawns of the enemy, and they're colliding here, and the healing of this blind man is in the middle. And so this is what the Lord is dealing with as he's making his way. And again, the slow incubation, the thoughts, the words behind his backs, the direct confrontation, and eventually the cross is what's all brewing behind. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your scriptures this morning and how they speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.